no, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> Where's my pantomime career? It's behind me. <laughs> this is the Happy Voice Podcast with me, Heather Meyer Thomas. Conversations about our relationships with our voices. In this episode, my guest is the Reverend James Wolford, a minister of the Moravian Church and former professional entertainer. In our conversation recorded in 2019, James talks about encouraging his children to sing and tells us why he never takes his voice for granted. I'm James Wolford. I'm a minister in the church, but formerly I used to be a singer and entertainer, um, doing various work around clubs and hotels and uh, around different places. Okay, brilliant. So that's quite a departure, isn't it? Or is it? What do you think that the two are related, being an entertainer? Um, I mean, there's, there's definitely a performance aspect to, to ministry, and there's certainly an awful lot of singing when you're in the services and stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's definitely aspects where I, I find myself very grateful for my previous training, especially when it comes to engaging with children, you know, and uh, coping with the unpredictable things that children might say. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and, um, you were saying earlier on that it hasn't always been an easy road with your voice, that um, you had some, some vocal problems. But first of all, can we go back to, were you always able to sing? Were you always confident in your voice when you were um, I've, I look back, I was always able to sing to a level. Um, but... I first started having lessons when I was uh, just up my microphone. Okay. I first started having lessons when I was at uh, school doing GCSEs, and the music teacher said, "Oh, you should have you should have some singing lessons." And there was a teacher that that used to go to the school and, and taught singing. Ah. So that was my first sort of lessons um, where I learned how to use my voice. So presumably that was after your voice had broken, was yes. it? Yes. And so before that, when you were a boy, did you sing much? Were you aware of that? I mean, only around the house and stuff like that. I didn't sing in the choirs or anything like that. Oh. Um, I, I, I was more of an actor. I did uh, pantomimes and, uh, and things. Oh. oh, no, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> my pantomime career, it's behind me. <laughs> so it's interesting because I was saying to someone the other day that quite often what happens is that boys in particular sing up to the point in which their voices break and then they sort of give up because they have these embarrassing episodes of sort of yodeling all over the place and stuff and <laughs> quite often they give up but you're the opposite you you were identified as as having a, a lovely voice after that yeah I mean I, I remember one time being in church and I just for bit of a messing around I decided oh I'm going to start singing this hymn a bit operatic and uh, I was like actually do you know what that didn't sound too bad yeah yeah <laughs> it was really just me messing around because I always yeah. mess around with my voice and doing different voices and different accents and stuff yeah I've always been like that so it was really just me pretending to be a singer um ah. and, and it actually sort of clicked I was like oh that, that, that's that wasn't that wasn't bad and we used to sing in these in these pantos and stuff I mean I never used to have my own song because I was always the comedy character and there's not really much opportunity for singing like big solos when you're the comedy character mm. um but yeah I used to just enjoy performing and yeah I used to have these singing lessons when I was at school but the problem was he didn't like musical theatre he passionately hated musical theatre and that's what I really love ah. I love to sing musical theatre yeah uh, and I've always really liked musicals because of the variety that's involved yeah 
if you can sing musical theatre, it means that you can sing semi-classic because you know something like Lemis and stuff like that. You have to be able to sing. It means you should be able to sing rock. You know, because you've got Jesus Christ Superstar and, and shows like that, mm. uh, swing and jazz and pop and all of those genres are all encompassed in in uh, musical theatre. Yeah, you've got to be pretty versatile, haven't you? So it's interesting that I mean, because people are, or, or particularly young people and and actually older people, are very influenced by the professionals or the teachers who are looking after them. So if you, as you say, have a teacher who doesn't particularly like the same sort of music as you, you're being steered in a direction that is not really under your control, really. No, I I, I think he taught me the basics of of breathing and and things. My my best teacher was when I moved to Northern Ireland in the year 2000. Um, And I had a teacher called Ashley Fulton. Now, Ashley was a a big fan of musical theatre, so we, we gelled really well. He certainly knew his stuff. Ashley was the vocal coach on the first series of Pop Idol. Oh, okay. Um, so he, he knew what he was talking about. And it was with Ashley that I did my uh, grade eight in musical theatre and my associate of the London College of Music in musical theatre as well. Ah, okay. Um, so I, I sort of did my exams through him. Yeah, yeah. And, and really, really started to understand how to use a voice and how to sort of get the technique and how to put everything across. Yeah. Um, in, in a much better way. Yeah. So that really did sort of springboard you into the next part of your career then, did it? Yeah. I mean, it gave me the confidence to be a singer. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas otherwise I would have just focused on the acting part, which I was always a little bit more comfortable with. Mm. But the fact that he was bringing that out in me and that I was able to understand how to sing and, and, and get the qualifications, you know, I mean, it was, it's a great boost of confidence. I mean, I know some people are not, you know, grades aren't the most important things in the world. If you can sing, you can sing. But for me, the fact that I went, I didn't do grade ones to seven. I just went straight in at grade eight and got it. And an ALCM as well, uh, the college of music meant that I had that background of saying, you know, obviously I can do what I need to do. Obviously I can sing. Yeah. And it's not something I find particularly easy to say because I'm not somebody that likes to be uh, bragging about about my, my singing or anything like that. I, I don't find it particularly comfortable. It's one thing that I think always held me back when I was trying to work professionally. When you go for an audition, people say, can you sing? And the people go, yes, I'm a fantastic singer. And I'd be the one that'd be sort of like going, yeah, I can sing all right. You know. Yeah, you're too polite. <laughs> Well yeah, brought yeah. up, that's the thing. I was the yeah, same. It. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. you don't push yourself. It's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because quite yeah. often, yeah, you get noticed if, you're, if you have the loudest um, ego, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I despise people like that that were so, so confident because they were generally not the best ones anyway. <laughs> that's the way of the world, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but now, so you, you worked as a professional entertainer and then you, you said to me recently that there was a time where your voice was not reliable, that you had some vocal problems. So, so tell me about that. What happened? I think it must have been two years ago. It was after Easter. Now, Easter is a very difficult time for, for ministers in the church because we're very busy. Um, it means that we have a service on Palm Sunday, and in our tradition, we have services every night during Holy Week. Yeah. So every night we've got a service where we do readings from the Bible and we do hymns. And I mean, the services don't take particularly long, but it's vocally tiring. Yeah. Uh, we've got 
two services on Good Friday and then in Easter Sunday we have an early morning service at 8 o'clock in the morning and then our regular service at 11 o'clock. So by the time it comes to Easter, your voice is always tired. Um, it's always, you know, that's the point where I lose my voice. So when I actually did lose my voice a bit, I thought nothing of it. I thought, that'd ah, be all right, it'll come back eventually. It's not, it's not a huge issue. Um, it, it'll get back. And uh, I'll just correct myself because it was last year. It wasn't two years ago. It was last year. Um, and it wasn't coming back. And what I was finding was that my speaking voice and my mid-range was, was okay, but my top range was gone. I, I'm just completely just not there. And it's so frustrating as somebody that uh, like one of my favorite songs to sing, and certainly my mum's favorite song to hear me sing, is Bring Him Home from Linnaeus, yeah, which has that beautiful high range, that falsetto. Um, and I just could not get anywhere near it. I would try and nothing would come out. It was like watching a cartoon. You know, you just, nothing comes yeah, and it was so frustrating. It was maddening because for me, singing is about uh, it, it's a great relaxation for me. I just love launching into a song, and, and if I'm having a stressful day or anything like that, singing a song just gives me all. Let me just forget it all. Yeah. And um, to know that I couldn't sing as well as I knew I should be able to do was really, really annoying. Um, and I thought to myself as well, what if, what if it doesn't come back? Oh yes. What, what if I, what if I can never get the voice back? And I, I thought to myself, I, you know, I have two young children, Edward's five and, and Charlotte's two and a bit. And I was thinking, what if they never hear me sing the mm. way that I know I can sing? What if they, they never, you know? And, um, so I went and got a, 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 um, singing teacher again um, and we went through things and sort of relearned some of the techniques I think what she helped me do was regain a bit of my confidence and my voice did start to come back mm. um, I did go to the doctors and, and got checked by the doctors I had a, uh, an appointment with the ear nose and throat people who had a good look down my throat and cause I was thinking it might be nodules you know that's a bit yeah of singing thinking oh oh you know I don't want to go all Julie Andrews and not be able to sing again you know and um, and he said no, it was a strain uh, rather than rather than anything sinister. Mm. Um, one that's the, a huge relief, though, wasn't it? A huge. Relief. Well, it was, yeah, because it meant that it would get better. Yeah. But one of the things I didn't realise, I suffer quite a lot from uh, reflux, acid reflux, and indigestion. Um, and he was saying that actually that could be a factor in 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 causing the strain, um, and it all plays a part. Yeah. And I, I hadn't clocked that. I hadn't thought that the two would be connected at all. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, fortunately, with, with a bit of rest, and you find yourself in this awkward position of how much do I rest it? How much do I practice? Yeah. Yeah, because it's almost like picking a, you know, a, a spot. You kind of want to see if it's still there, don't you? <laughs> or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll just have a little look and see, like, you know, opening the oven when the cakes are cooking. It's, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. yeah, I mean, that's it. Rest that's is... Like is the thing, rest and hydration. But it's so difficult to be able to trust that yeah. when you have so much emotionally riding on, on, on the condition of your voice. I mean, the emotional content, as you're sort of describing this fear about what if it never comes back? What if my kids never hear me sing? Because mm. you find that in some way, and we all have a sort of vocal identity, don't we? Our voices mean something about who we are and what we are. Um, mm. To ourselves and to other people. I mean, what what do you think of that? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've I've always been known as a singer, and and for me, that element of performing is where I am most comfortable and where I am most confident. Yeah. So you know, in, in even in terms of my ministry, the part of my ministry that I'm most comfortable is is the Sunday morning. Mm. You know, doing the service where you have to find the right balance because I'm not there to be showbiz James or whatever. Yeah. But when I'm when I'm in that mode. I'm I'm in control and I'm comfortable because I know that I can do it. Yeah. Um, when I'm on the stage, I'm in control. I'm comfortable because I know that I can do it. And then to have that taken away, where you're not sure if you can do it at all, mm. is is quite a dent to your identity as to who you are. Um, I'm when I did my I was interviewed by the local paper when I was in my first church, and the headline read "Rock and Roll Minister." <laughs> And uh, I've sort of adapted that now, so I'm I'm known as the rock and roll rev, right? Um, because that's just you know if I've do, I still do cabaret shows, I still do my one man show from time to time, and uh, that's that's my my tagline. That's what I now call myself, just as a way of selling selling it a bit, because that's just part of who I am. It is, yeah. But as I say, that that identity was was scuppered by the fact that I couldn't I couldn't sing what I wanted to be able to sing. Yeah. Yeah. And to other people, they were like, oh, you can sing really well. And I was like, yeah, but I can't sing as well as I know I can. And it didn't matter what anyone else said to me about my mid-range being fine. I knew I couldn't do what I knew I could, should be able to do. Yeah, yeah. So all these things get mixed up with it, aren't they? There's sort of fear and um, frustration and the sort of medical anxiety about the, the possibilities. And yeah, and having to, I suppose, having to be patient and having to trust that things will, will go back to how they they should be so when you when you saw the doctor and they gave you a clean bill of health was that a huge relief for you it was it was a feeling of hope actually that you know okay and an, and an acknowledgement that i need to relearn how to use my voice ah because you know i'd strained it and to an extent i expected to strain it because you know as i said like generally i would lose my voice over easter yeah there comes the point where you can only strain it so much before it breaks you know yeah. and before it really breaks and um, one of the things that i've had to really think about is how to warm up my voice and use my voice when i'm speaking yes because that's majority of what I do and then if I'm going to go and do a show if I'm going to do any sort of proper singing I will warm up my voice and you know do some breathing exercises all that sort of stuff but I don't do it before I do any great length of speaking uh-huh. um, on a morning. and I, I, I know I need to do because that is every bit of straining as a singing exactly it's just exactly the same muscles um yeah perfect and so do you find that these days now you, you're just more conscious of, your, of the necessity to keep the voice healthy um, after that sort of scary thing? Yeah. Yeah. Although it's very easy for old habits to creep back in. Yeah. Um, you have to always sort of remind yourself, oh, there was this point. And actually for Christmas, that uh, last time after I, I sort of got my voice back, uh, my wife bought me a... Um, a recording studio experience. Oh, wow. Uh, I went to Chat House uh, Studios in Crouch Hill. Oh, I know, yes. Um, yeah, and I, I recorded three songs there. And I had an absolute blast because my voice was back to its almost best. And uh, I just was able to 
record it and at least that took the stress away from what if it goes again and what if my kids can't ever hear me sing properly because I've got these three tracks yeah. I did Bring It Home I did Gethsemane and then with a short amount of time um, I did Mr. Bojangles because we'd only had like half an hour left I was like well I can just fling that out and it's yeah. straightforward enough so I've got those three songs where I can say this is me singing because both my children love music Edward is he loves singing he loves dancing he loves performing he's just like me when I was his age and yeah. I want to be able to continue to to inspire him and say look you know you you can you can sing um and dad can sing and this is what we used to be able to do or it's such yeah. a gift, isn't it? It's such a gift for a child to to be allowed to just grow in that way in, in, naturally. Because so many people that I meet were told as children that they couldn't sing or they shouldn't sing or, you know, people really put them off so young. Um, yeah. And it's such a wonderful gift to give that to your children. Um, well, he, he loves performing and he loves making people happy. So at his school a couple of weeks ago, it was when I grow up day. So they all went as things they wanted to be when they grow up. Oh, yes. So they were, they were footballers and doctors and nurses. And Edward went as a clown. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so, you know, and I mean, my wife was a bit like, he can't go as a clown. He's got to go as something serious. I was like, if he wants to go as a clown, let him go as a clown. Absolutely. You know, he's five years old or whatever. I mean, I don't think... I think if he still wanted to be a clown when he was like 16, 17, we might have to talk to him about, about how much clowns earn in money and the lifestyle and all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Um, when he's five, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. It's wonderful that he's able to do that. And he's got you to inspire him to do that because that's so much the opposite of the experience that so many people have had. Um, I mean, the thing is with, with performing and with singing is the, the transferable sing, the skills. I think people fear, for whatever reason, that if I send my son or daughter to drama or to dance, they're, all they're going to want to be able to do is to do drama and dance. The thing is, I know from my experience and from talking to so many other people, that the skills that we learn through doing drama or dance or singing are so transferable from when you're going into a job interview or when you have to do a presentation, when you're at college. You know, I, when I was training for ministry, one of the things that we had to do from time to time was to give a presentation on a topic of some sort. And everybody else would be absolutely bricking it. I'd be cracking my knuckles and going, right, here we go, off we go, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, everyone's like, oh, we're going to do role playing. <laughs> okay, I'm off, I'm away. <laughs> Singing is not just about I want to be able to sing. It's about understanding how we use our voice. And we all need to know that whether we are, are singers or whether we are people that lead meetings or whether we lead talks or presentations, everybody needs to know how, how we use our voice and how we look after it. So absolutely. they're all valuable skills. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely true. You can also see with, with, um, with your son. Well, I took him to the circus twice last year. We went, there was a circus down in Turnpike Lane and then there was one on Priory Road, the Priory Park. Yeah. And he absolutely loved it. He, he loved, the, the, loved the clown. And that's all he would talk about when he came back because the clowns are funny. Yeah. And everyone was laughing at the clown. And he just wants to be that, that person that, that makes people laugh. And, and you see the difference between, between the way that he's able to experience that and the way that so many people were stifled and muted. Um, yeah. And completely had that taken away. I consider that a form of abuse. Um, mm. I've seen the damage that it does to people through their lives. I, I teach people sometimes in their 60s and 70s who were told to shut up when they were children, that they couldn't sing, that they shouldn't be heard. And when 
they actually get to the point where we start releasing the voice, they start to find the confidence to start to try to express themselves vocally. The grief that comes through is like a massive bereavement. It's like, you know, mourning for a whole life of no vocal um, expression, you know? Yeah. Um, so it really is being stolen from people, which is it's why it's so lovely to hear what you're doing with, with Edward, you know, and, and the way that you've experienced your voice. As part of my college course, when I was training for ministry, I had to do a dissertation and I chose to do it about encouraging people to sing uh-huh. in, in church. Because like, there's so many times you get together and people just don't sing because they're not used to singing like, yeah. in the day-to-day life. You think about times when people get together and sing, it's not as often as it used to be. Yeah. The damage that simply saying to somebody, you know, you can't sing has because 90% of the times if not more when somebody says I can't sing you say well who told you that and there will be somebody that's told them that they can't sing yeah absolutely Tracy, absolutely um, and, and my question just... my question is was that person qualified to judge <laughs> and I mean who's well, yeah. qualified to judge you know none, no, of us, none of us are really even sort of vocal no. professionals if you look at certain artists like um, Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen people like that who don't have yeah. a you know, on paper, you wouldn't say they were fantastic vocal entertainers, but my goodness, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a different way of putting it across, isn't it? Everyone's voice is different. Exactly. Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And we all have a right to it. We all have a right to our voices and we all have a right to express ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. So true. Oh, well, thank you so much, James. I really, really appreciate you sharing all that. No lovely, lovely, lovely information. And um, I can't wait to hear your Thanks for listening to Happy Voice Conversations with me, Heather Meyer-Thomas, and my guest, the Reverend James Wolford. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to get in touch or explore your relationship with your voice, you can contact me via my website, vocalist.co.uk.